lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre is here with me. Todd Erzin. And Happy New Year to our good friend, Paul Alexander. He is the former communication strategist for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign. He's going to be joining us for the first DACE group of 2021 here in just a moment. But first, of course, uh, some particulars you need to know. Uh, If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, uh, you can let us know at steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. That's how you spell the last name. Now, from now on, when it comes to social media, um, I've not been kicked off of these various platforms yet, but we all soon will be. Uh, yesterday, I had one of the biggest single day of new followers ever in the history of my Twitter account. And yet when I woke up this morning, Twitter claimed I'd lost over 500 followers. I mentioned earlier this week that when I just posted a link to follow me on Parler, Facebook had an input an independent fact check on it, demonetized my page, which I don't even monetize, uh, and uh, said that it was fake news because uh, they don't like the people that Parler allows on their platform. So as far as I am concerned, I'm only, these groups are actively, actively, whether they understand it, realize it, or they're demonic pawns, or they're all for it, I don't know. I don't sit in their boardrooms, but the effect of what they're doing is they're pushing us to a civil war. They're throwing more and more kerosene on this. They are are removing more and more pressure valves of where people can go and feel like they can be heard. Their grievances can be addressed. They got it out of their system and move on. I'm no longer going to be promoting or mentioning pro-civil war platforms on this show. I'm not in favor of a civil war. When I, you know what I did last night when I got done doing this for a living? You know what I did? Spent about four and a half hours watching Big Ten basketball and playing uh, John Madden football. I'm not in favor of a civil war. Everything I've done has been to try to stop that from happening. I, I don't know. I can't speak for all of you or the other men that are joining me here today, but I actually really enjoy the accoutrements of, uh, of, of America. I was planning on taking my wife out to a nice dinner tomorrow night. Uh, maybe uh, doing family movie night tonight on one of the streaming services. I'm, I'm not really in favor of a civil war, but we're heading there because of the actions of people like big tech. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in mentioning them anymore. So from now on, when we open the show, you're going to hear about our MeWe page. You can go there and join us there. All right. Um, if that's one social media network, if you haven't joined it already, uh, another is Parler. Uh, just look up for Steve Dace, both on MeWe and on Parlor, and check out Debuting Just Today. We now have a Rumble page as well. All right, rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show, and that's where you can go to get uh, all the videos that we're going to start posting uh, from this show that we used to post elsewhere as well. Uh, we're going to start posting them there now, too, uh, so you can get free samples of this show that are unfiltered, unedited, and unafraid of free speech. Because free speech stops civil wars from happening, taking it away helps that to happen all right so we are no longer promoting pro civil war platforms on this program at least as long as my name is on it is that understood amen amen all right so 
With that said, here's the lineup for today's program. Uh, the Dace Group uh, is coming your way. Your weekly look at the week that was here in just a moment. Uh, also, uh, next hour for the first time in 2021, we will do some feedback Friday. But before all of that begins, you know what time it is. to you by it's your weekly look at the week that was and there he is that uh, handsome devil there paul alexander about the only democrat who would dare trod on to the set of this show all right uh, brought to you by our good friends at express vpn big tech is more powerful than most countries are nowadays and they profit by not just censoring us as we were just ta- discussing but exploiting our data as well and it's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and those tech juggernauts and that's why you want to use express vpn like i do I've got it installed on my phone here, uh, also uh, on my laptop here in the studio. Uh, it takes just minutes to install, and the and their software will hide your IP address, something that Big Tech uses to personally identify you. They're going to make it harder for them, much harder for them, to exploit you uh, and, and make money off of your data. They encrypt 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. That's just one of the reasons why, not to mention the easy install, uh, that ExpressVPN was rated the number one VPN service by both CNET and Wired. All right, so download the app for your phone, all of your devices, computer, etc. And right now, you can get a special deal if you visit ExpressVPN. That's V as in victory. ExpressVPN.com slash Steve. Find out how to get three extra months for free three free months when you go to expressvpn.com slash steve it's a new year so we begin with a new issue one bleep lord nefarious says way to end violence and brutality and to make sure the people understand that Black Lives Matter. What happened here today was an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. Donald J. Trump called for the insurrection against the United States of America. Please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. But Michelle says that, you know, when they go low, we go up. No, no. When they go low, we kick them. President Barack Obama, he said this and tweeted it, saying that history would be reset yesterday, but the violence wasn't a total surprise. Talked about Al-Qaeda. What has he done in terms of incitement, right, that Osama bin Laden didn't do? Each of these people should be shamed. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a mostly a protest. Uh, it is not, uh, it is not generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. You support the, the Black Lives Matter movement. I support that movement because it's uh, addressing an inequity that has not been solved from a grassroots level. Wednesday, Senator Mike Braun releasing a statement on Twitter saying rioting and violence are never acceptable. I argue to you tonight, all punches are 
are not equal morally. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. These people are not Americans. Uh, Kevin yeah. McCarthy was on Fox calling this un-American. Marco Rubio. I don't know. There's a lot of empty rhetoric. There's a lot of empty concern. Donald Trump Jr., Rudy Giuliani, and Donald Trump are not arrested today for insurrection and taken to jail and booked. It was encouraged by our Republican colleagues and that is why every single one of them, especially because they have been the ones trying to steal this election. That's why we are calling for them to be removed. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. I don't care that much about statues. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. But thank goodness for the looters, man. Today was terrorism. Do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and we call them terrorists people get mad terrorists most of the major movements in american history have started at the grassroots level and at some point have turned into direct conflict with american government domestic terrorists domestic terrorists remember your history before you judge your present domestic terrorists thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically and we should be the first to call it out i disagree First question, Paul, is our guest. We begin with you. What was your favorite forked tongue featured by Aaron this week? I want to be very careful and deliberate with how I recap the events of this week. And I knew coming on your show, obviously it's a conservative audience, many of whom support Trump. I reflected a lot on don't tell me his screen froze. <laughs> of course it did. He's not back yet. We'll okay. uh, we'll get him back here. Next All right, Todd, I'll let you go first because I want to hear what Paul has to say for sure. Because our audience has heard plenty from us. And I do, before even hearing what he has to say, I give him credit coming on at all this day. I mean, really, it, it, props to him. Uh, my favorite is uh, Nancy Pelosi. And, and it's not just what she says, but how she says it. It, it, there's so much of what's going on is performative, but the people saying performative things are ultimately the tools of fiends like her. I don't care about statues. This building is a large statue. And, and now this is domestic terrorism when, you know, she, she has sat there Hello? putting on the garb of the BLM protesters, literally making either look like uh, uh, she was like now part of the tribe, like C-3PO in, in Return of the Jedi. Uh, it is it's it's worse than hypocrisy. It is the level of nefarious manipulation, button pushing uh, that is nothing short of the whims of the devil himself. Do we have him back? We do. Yep. Paul, I'm sorry about that, brother. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Thank you. I'll just jump right to it and make my case. 
Conservative media has accused Democratic politicians of intentionally weaponizing victimhood for years, often with very legitimate reason. If you are black, if you are gay, if you are a woman, you should fear the Republican Party because they want to oppress you. And you should be angry at a system of government that has allowed such oppression to occur. Channel that emotion, take to the streets, and elect us to elicit the change that will liberate you from this injustice. That messaging is at the center of how many of the more dishonest and opportunistic Democratic politicians campaign. And it is something I detest. And that is why. I was enthusiastically campaigning for a Democrat by the name of Tulsi Gabbard because she didn't play that game. But we have had a sitting Republican president of the United States for the last four years, the most powerful man in the free world, commit the exact same offense that conservative media claims is reprehensible when it comes from Democrats. They're coming for us. They're coming to take our guns. They're coming to shut down our churches. They're coming to silence us and take away our freedoms. We are the victims. We are the oppressed. And I, Donald J. Trump, am the only one standing in their way, preventing them from enacting your own demise. Four years, nonstop, a steady diet of that messaging day in and day out. And then you tell those same people that the election was stolen. Not that there are legitimate reasons to raise questions or investigate the process further. No, you convey with conviction that you in fact won the election in a landslide. And now we must do whatever it takes to stop the steal. What did you think was going to happen? To those on the right, who are using the events that transpired on Wednesday as a excuse to cite media double standards or equate this with the summer riots or congressional baseball shootings. I hear you. I understand you. You have some justification in feeling that way. But who are you trying to reach with that message? What are you trying to accomplish? Because I promise you, the overwhelming majority of Americans do not condone any of this. We don't want this, whether it comes from the left or the right. So for the sake of the survival of this country, we all must get past this obsession with victimhood and grievance politics. Otherwise, we can continue to expect more of what we saw this week. There's about 10 things I would love to get your response to in response to what you just said. But I'm not actually going to use, I'm not going to challenge you on any of them. And here's why. One is we have a constraint of time. But two, um, we need uh, we need to have our panties rankled in this country by views we that don't uh, necessarily make us feel good or rub our bellies. Um, we need more of that, not less. I have a hell of a lot of respect for the fact you could come on here 
And we're willing to say that knowing who your audience is. And I've also been in your shoes before as the token conservative on 50 MSNBC panels in my career. So I, I know it wasn't quite as hostile of a time as it is now, but I know what it's like to sit in your seat. And I'm not Facebook. I'm not Twitter. I don't live in Cleveland, as Sam Weish once said. We live in Cincinnati. We're better than that. So the last thing I'm going to do is is disdain because I don't I don't necessarily disagree with everything you said. I do disagree with some of it. But I think it kind of undermines my own argument how I started the show, don't you think, if I just come on and say, well, I don't want to hear something I don't agree with. Doesn't that just kind of undermine but can we let, we're gonna we're gonna do one thing on we're gonna have one show. Just can't speak for everybody else, just can only speak for me. We're gonna have one show around here that tries to practice some self awareness. Know what I'm saying? Sure. And the truth of the matter is, it's the Steve Day show, so I get to say whatever I want, anytime I want, and Paul is not here to challenge it. If I didn't want to hear what he had to say, and if I wasn't willing to let him challenge us and what we think, then why did we invite him on, right? Exactly. But I do think in the future, we should have you back, just you, to have a more long-form conversation about this when we have more time, all right? I would like to do that. Because I think you make some valid points, but there's some other things I would disagree with. But I also think it's something I share. I share this passion with you. I don't want to see this thing descend into a civil war. Almost everything I've done for the past year has been to try to avoid that. And I went on Glenn Beck's show the day after the election and said, I was afraid they're going to incite a civil war. Facebook responded the next day by demonetizing the entire place platform and saying I was inciting a civil war. Okay. So I share that passion with you. Aaron, go ahead. I think for me, it was probably the very last clip. I don't know the name of the guests. I believe it was on uh, MSNBC or maybe an N uh, NBC show. It was one of the, the network's show. Um, say, you know, with a, a guy saying a sentiment that I think most people listening to this hopefully would agree with thuggishness is thuggishness, no matter what side of the political aisle it comes from. And the other guest said, I disagree. I, I think that to some extent goes to the heart of what of what Paul is getting at and the heart of of the roadblock that we have faced uh, corporately as a people for so long, which is we would like to have the higher the higher um, uh, the, the higher conversation. We would like to do that. But if you want to let, let's just be let's give both both sides the maximum benefit of the doubt. Neither side is. Um, Neither side is willing or able to do that. It's the prophecy in Harry Potter is what it feels like playing out. Neither can live while the other survives. That's why we are in the situation that we're in right now is because it feels mano e mano. There are vast swaths of people out there, Paul is correct, that would just like to have a good life, that would like to live out the American dream. But there are key people as well that are trying to keep that from happening that are trying to push us towards a civil war, as Steve said. So what do we do in the meantime? Now, earlier this week, we talked about, actually, it was just yesterday, meekness, strength under control. The forces that seek to destabilize this country want, want to see what happened this week more and more. They want to see the destabilization. They want that because they know that amidst chaos, you can cloward pivot, overload the system and build back something in its stead, something in your image, 
as well. So Paul is absolutely right from a macro standpoint, getting past the grievance class of of people. But that doesn't mean that there aren't legitimate grievances. If you want to give the maximum benefit of the doubt uh, from both sides, maybe there are legitimate uh, grievances from both sides. But as long as one side, it feels like, is being told that the other can do this activity, meaning riot, violence, what have, re- what have you, and that they get bl- branded as uh, righteous freedom fighters, and then they do that, and they're labeled as terrorists, we're going to see more of this as well. We would like to have that higher conversation, but at this point in our, in our country, in our civic dialogue, that just doesn't seem possible. On a scale of 1 to 10, exit question, with 1 being Nancy Pelosi's respect for the Constitution and 10 being Mitch McConnell's disdain for the average American. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Paul. Hard 10. Aaron. 10. I completely agree, dude. It's a hard 10. Yeah. Issue 2. Is Trump done or are they wrong again? In the midst of the chaos which unfolded at the U.S. Capitol this week, numerous politicians have been pushing for Trump to be removed either by the 25th Amendment or by another impeachment and trial in the Senate. Trump is already due to leave office on January 20th. Indeed, losing a contested, questionable election to a dementia-riddled candidate, followed by two months of disastrous legal battles and messages, and then what happened this week could leave a stain on Trump's legacy. Thursday night, Trump addressed the nation. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. Let's get to it. First question. Aaron, is Trump done or are they wrong again? I believe Trump as a person, indeed, as the individual person, to some extent, even amongst his base, Um, has been marred by this week. Trump as a construct, though, as the blunt force instrument, as a protest against uh, a system that his base feels has betrayed them, not listening to them, ignored them, pushing back back on them and encroaching on their rights. Trump as a construct has has not been tarnished whatsoever. And um, I I go back to, to, you know, um, an argument I made not too long ago. You know, uh, Trump's post-election legal efforts, they they were not really uh, legal efforts. They were not at least serious. You know, it's some combination of uh, terrible lawyers, which I personally uh, believe is the case, corrupt judges, which might be the case, as Trump appointed some of those who ruled against him in the post-election lawsuit efforts. All those things notwithstanding, whether there were irregularities or not, It doesn't change whether there was based on those factors or any other. The truth is the truth, 
no matter what uh, no matter what surrounds it or no matter how it's trying to be found. Now, whether or not you actually find that truth, um, those are dependent on those other factors. And so Trump as a construct, as a, as a tool, as a protest, I think that's as strong as, as ever. As a person, I think only time will tell. I, I've seen this play out a number of times as well where Trump will do something ridiculous. He's like been extending, before. Like yeah. extending the lockdowns. I know some very ardent Trump supporters who were absolutely done with him. And I shouldn't say extending the law, extending the uh, an extra 30 days to slow the spread. They were done with him. Within two weeks, they were back to uh, MAGA 2020 uh, female dogs. That, that's that's the way this works as well. So at least temporarily, I think he might be tarnished. But as a construct, he's, he's not going anywhere. Paul. I suspect Donald Trump will continue to have a significant influence specifically in Republican primaries throughout the country. Now, Donald Trump himself as a potential viable 2024 candidate, I think that will almost entirely be dependent on the size of the field. If Republicans repeat 2016 and have a circus like they did with 17 declared candidates and Trump decides to run, then there is no question Trump will again secure the nomination. But if it's a scenario more similar to what Democrats had in 2016, where it was just Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and the... Then I believe some other Republican can defeat Donald Trump. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, I mean, we, we never could on the Cruz campaign. We tried to get him one-on-one. Right. Even when we got down right. just, to the, just to the two of us, and he would never do it. So, yeah, yeah, he well, plays well, better in a crowd I, I, as a candidate. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Todd? Well, he's not done. None of us can imagine him going away, but here's what you also can't imagine if you're honest with yourself. He can just go, he could go to parlor, but all the politicians who want to say they want to block and ban him would be so obsessed with him, even though he's not on Twitter, that they would go to Twitter and just talk about him all the time. They can't quit him either. This is a very incestuous, ugly relationship. Exit question. If Trump's odds of being the 2024 GOP nominee were an R.E.M. song, which R.E.M. song would it be? Now, I don't typically do this, even though every time, Todd, you ask me, what, what, what do these mean? I typically leave them open for your interpretation. This is a rare time that I'm going to tell you the interpretation I'm looking for. Okay. All right. A, it's the end of the world as we know it. So Trump and 2024 don't even matter. All right. Run for the hills, okay? Uh, the one I love, Trump's base is never leaving him until he dies. Or C, everybody hurts sometimes. Trump is down now, but he's not out. All right? So with those explanations fresh in your mind, Todd, I'll let you, go, I'll let you choose first. Go ahead. Which is it? I'll go with A. All right, A, it's the end of the world as we know it. Paul, what do you think? Which is it about 2024 and Trump? Reluctantly C. That Trump is down now, but not out. All right. Aaron. B. <laughs> Trump's face is Perfect. Take... Perfect. Did you do that on purpose or were no. you going to give that answer? No <laughs> I was going to give that answer no matter what. All right. We have about a minute here, a minute longer than we, I thought we did. You guys have to tell me why you all chose a different answer. Give me a quick summation of why you chose the answer you did, Todd. Because it's chaos. Like it, it's utterly chaos, and the, we—it's not just Trump. It's about the left. 
As I said today, they, they could for a generation pretty much secure domination if they were just sane. But buckle up right. because I mean, they're not more money sane. The Republicans Look offer. what's exactly. coming down the pike. So you I have no idea. OK, Paul, why did you choose the answer that you did? Because of the outside factors I laid out in my initial answer. I mean, it entirely depends on the size of the field. If he runs one on one against a DeSantis or a Haley, someone who can bridge that brand of populism from Trump with more traditional conservative messaging and deliver it in a more palatable way, I think he can lose. But if he's running against a field of 10 people, then he's not out. Aaron? I've just seen too much of his base, and we'll just see how how large that base has remained or how small that base has remained. But I think if he decides to go again, I don't think I don't think there there's there's some segment that's just never going to leave him. In some respects, Todd or Aaron and Paul have the same answer from what I just heard. Just one answer is the result of the other. I mean, your answers are symbiotic. All right. Your answer is more of what I said yesterday on the show. We got to be concerned about the next six months before we are concerned about 2024, getting yeah. in the brink that we are on yes. right now. Yeah. Um, but um, it's 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 fascinating. From what I have been told, by the way, uh, he would like to not run, um, but would prefer just to rebuild his brand and have a say in the process, particularly in primaries, but would prefer not to not to run again in four years. But would we'll, would certainly love to have this speculation for a few years and benefit from it. That's kind of what I've been told, but we shall see. We'll come back. These people, forget be, before the riot began, when they were just standing there, all that energy, where do they go next? We're going to talk about that in the future. Next. One down and one to go. That's right. Just had a built bar break. If you're looking to eat healthier and tastier here in 2021, and a lot of times we think those things are mutually exclusive, but not when it comes to built bar. No more than 160 calories in every bar, no more than five net carbs in every bar, um, up to 20 grams of protein in every bar, and they all taste absolutely great. I've, I just had the cookies and cream flavor, and I'm not like a huge oreo cookie guy you know i'm more of the just take the cookie off and eat the whipped cream in the middle kind of a guy typically you know but the cookies and cream flavor just like the other 20 some odd flavors of built bar i've tried phenomenal you have never had a protein bar this good you've had some candy bars that aren't this good uh the taste texture no aftertaste it's exactly what you're looking for it's going to taste like you're cheating but you're doing it right, all right? BuiltBar.com is where you want to go. Over 20 flavors, all covered in real chocolate. BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code DACE. That's my last name, D-E-A-C-E, to get 20% off your next order. Promo code DACE at BuiltBar.com. We bring back in our good friend Paul Alexander, former communications strategist for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign. He joins myself, Todd, and Aaron as we continue on with the first edition of the DACE group here in 2021. Let's go to issue three. Where do they go?
In the aftermath of the 2012 election between Republican nominee Mitt Romney and Democrat incumbent President Barack Obama, the Republican National Committee infamously published its election report autopsy. Then RNC chair Reince Priebus called for the party to be softer in tone and broader in outreach. Priebus also said, quote, we need to campaign among Hispanic, black, Asian and gay Americans and demonstrate we care about them, too. We must recruit more candidates who come from minority communities. So the next presidential election cycle came featuring an unprecedented 17 candidates, governors, senators, four minorities, one woman, all but a handful from Republican leaning and deep red states. Naturally, the GOP's base selected Donald Trump, a brash businessman and reality TV star from New York. The rest as they say, is history. Donald Trump, now on the precipice of leaving office, is also leaving behind the power, or at least the illusion of power, of protecting the people who rejected the Republicans' plea to soften tone and move to the left, the people who rejected a bevy of 2016 primary candidates arguably more qualified than the eventual nominee, and who are now left with a party who can get back to conspiring against them without the nuisance of Trump as a speed bump. What's that look like? Well, we're going to find out. All right. So first question, and by the way, there is a column out today. I put it out on all of my social networks that Jason Whitlock of Outkick, the noted sports writer, uh, has written today for us here at The Blaze. And it, 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 it's one of the greatest pieces I have ever read. I don't even think it's a column. I, I think it's more than that. I think it's like an epistle. I, I got choked up at times reading it. It felt like it was the culmination of everything I've tried to say or do for the last 15 years in my career before Trump was a thing, a brand, or a politician. And it kind of addresses some of the themes we're probably about to talk about here. So who represents those who still believe in some form of traditional Americana? What means do they currently have to have a voice in the system? Because this is a hell of a lot of people. A lot. This isn't Western Europe. All right. The, the church in America is not where it was 50 years ago, but it's quite more formidable than it is. It, it has been at any point in Western Europe still in the last 50 years. So we have a lot of people that still go to their churches. And a lot of those people own guns. Okay. So if we're going to cleanse them, as the president of NBC News said yesterday, things of that nature. Um, you know, these are people that a lot of them don't believe that this they're of this world anyway. So, okay. And they're also armed. So, I mean, I, I would kind of prefer to offer them a peaceable means to have their voices heard as opposed to let's cleanse them, shun them and give them back them into the corner. So they have nothing left to do, but figure, I guess I got nothing left to do. Let's lock and load this thing. Where do they go? Who represents their voice in the system now? And I really want to know what somebody outside of our bubble thinks of this. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you. Sure. Well, I will definitely have to read that Jason Whitlock article. Uh, before I even answer this question, I need to know if it was just my feed or if it was Aaron's brilliant editing. Did you flash an image of Lindsey Graham for like 0.2 seconds? Thank you. Yeah. One <laughs> that woman. Was, that, was, that was done for you to see if you were going to, if you're going to pick up on that. Yes. Yeah. By the yeah. way, is Lindsey Graham, we, we're all getting blocked, blocked today. And, and has he been blocked off of Grindr yet? Does anybody know? I'm sorry. I, Paul, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. He's getting to the bottom of something. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think that answer is 
entirely dependent on what your interpretation of traditional Americana is. Sure. So I guess I'll, I'll have to start with that. Yeah. For me and, and what I perceive to be the allure of, of the Trump brand, that would have to be true self-governance, the free market, and American ingenuity. I don't believe, and I could be wrong, you're certainly closer to this base than I am. I don't believe they particularly care about governments stepping in and saying who someone can and cannot marry. Uh, Donald Trump was heralded as possibly the most pro-LGBT Republican president in history, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I think those issues don't necessarily resonate with them as much as some of the uh, some of the other items. Um, so, to me, it's a, it's a it's a merger of some sort of populism with libertarianism. You know, let's address the issues of America first before we fund Pakistani gender studies. Defend America. You know, stand up for this great country. Well ideally not being oblivious to its shortcomings as well. Now, the question you're posing in terms of where do these people go and who represents this, are there a handful of high-profile politicians who sort of play in this orbit and, and convey this effectively? Sure, but truthfully, I've seen better representations of this outside of politics in people like Mike Rowe or Joe Rogan or even Dave Portnoy and what he's yeah. been doing with the Barstool Sports yep. Fund. Yeah, those are good examples. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, pinning it on a specific politician, I, I don't have the confidence to answer that question with any sort of conviction at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say as far as the means to, as you put it, have a release valve, you know, I, I hope in my initial answer, I didn't undermine or, or seem dismissive of the threat coming from some of the trends we're seeing in big tech and on college campuses. I acknowledge those are real. And I'll tell you a very, very quick little story. I posted on my personal Facebook page, I don't have one for my brand or my business, on my personal Facebook page, I posted this morning that I was gonna be joining you on the show today, and it included a link to the Blaze Radio so people could listen live. After an hour, it didn't have a single like or comment, and, and it yep. was very unusual. So I yep. took it down, and I simply put up a photograph of myself with you, and within minutes, there was, typical engagement there you go yes yep so it's real and i, I don't want to pretend Here, it's not since, since I, you my, since you went there because this week at all what i i didn't sense that by the way okay. but 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 i'm sure some people in our audience that don't know you very well probably did but to me what i heard from you you know i grew up in michigan detroit's the biggest city in michigan right now about eight percent of eighth graders in detroit are reading proficient in a district that's over 90 percent black to me, that's real racial disparity. 
No one yeah. gives a damn thing about those kids. No one does. But they will care if one of uh, Don Imus's flunkies says something stupid about the black women's basketball coach at Rutgers. Meaning, what can we raise money on? What can we victimize for political profiteering? Right? Okay. What I hear you decrying is you are you see you think you see this same element of a cottage industry of commercialized vind- victimology is emerging on the right to rival what has already been cemented into the left. Is that correct? Is that what I hear from you? Very accurate. Yes. Okay. And I think that that's a conversation that we need to have long form. And I think we probably need to have it after Donald Trump leaves office when emotions are maybe a little calmer and a little bit more simmered down. Because I have long been concerned about that strain of Trump's persona. It's one of the reasons why I didn't vote for him four years ago. So I, I do have some sympathy for, for that lament. But I think that requires a longer conversation. Todd, what do you think? You got to be absolutely brutally honest if you want to move forward as fast as possible. So the only answer I see is absolutely no one within the current paradigms. The, the, the people are talking, um, but in terms of getting things done, and that's the frustration of people who went to the mall, always talk, 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 talk. Where does it get us? All we had to do was get all the government. Well, there we was just four years ago. We had it all, both houses of Congress. We had the presidency. And now this, people are exhausted. They need things done. So the closest, in the paradigm, we're talking national level. Go local. Look in your own backyard at your state and turn these places that uh, aren't just red. The red-blue state paradigm isn't good enough anymore. These places have got to be systemically altered at the most local level to reflect revolutionary values. And we know by now that even a place like Texas, slogans don't mess with Texas, not good enough anymore because all kinds of people in your backyard are messing with Texas. You know, it's not just Massachusetts. You got them in Austin, Texas, trying to burn your place down. The drug cartels on your border trying to do it. Human trafficking on your border. Aaron, my answer was going to be uh, uh, derivative of that. I think the person who represents the uh, America that uh, Trump in many ways represented is uh, in the mirror. All right. That's you. You represent us. You represent you. All right. Um that that's how you get past you know legitimate uh, criticisms like what Paul has brought up. Take ownership. Take ownership of your own house first. Take ownership of your own school board first. Take ownership of your own um, I don't know animal control office first. I, I throw that out there as uh, just you know an, an exaggeration. But say, uh, as for me and my house, then as for me and my school board, then as for me and my suburb, then as for me and my city, state, so on. That's how this really actually changes. I, I think we, we have to stop. Goodness knows how many times this has been r- repeated over the last two decades or so. Your salvation ultimately isn't coming anywhere from earth but politically your vindication your affirmation never going to come from washington dc it's never going to come from any of the uh, 666th district of babylon uh, courts out there 
there is still a window in this country where you can take control, where you can seize your own future and your own path. If you're very concerned, run for your local school mm. board, run, uh, take positions of leadership, volunteer for positions of leadership if it needs to be. Okay. There are still areas for bubbles where you can actually form your own, um, well, not form your own, but actually uphold uh, what's left of America. Exit question of your view of America six months from now were lyrics from a Pink Floyd song. Which Pink Floyd lyrics would it be? A, we're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl year after year. B, no matter how he tried, he could not break free and the worms ate into his brain. I think that's going to be Todd's answer. C, hello, is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone home? Or D, new car, caviar, four-star daydream, think I'll buy me a football team. Aaron, which one? Uh, let's see. C, unfortunately. It's going with comfortably, comfortably numb. Todd? I don't want to be that predictable, I'm, but I do think I would be proud to answer B. I'll go with D though. Again, that has a very uh, Netflix and chill Tiger King feel to me. Okay. And it's fiddling. Right, you with money. Yeah. So you think things are great six months from now? You think no, we're living high on the hall? No, I think people are just oh, drunk. You have the same answer he has, comfortably numb. People I think are, they're great, but okay. Rome is falling. All right, so you have your comfort, or, or A, wish you were here. We're just doing the same thing we always do. Okay. Paul, what do you think? I will gladly be predictable and go with uh, the same answer as Aaron. I'll go with C. C. All right. Let's do predictions. Paul, we'll start with you. Go ahead. All right. No, no Lindsey Graham predictions this week. So (laughs) your viewers can uh, stop the hate mail. Um, (laughs) No. Uh, My prediction is that inside the month of January, Andrew Yang will officially announce his candidacy for New York City mayor and will immediately become the de facto frontrunner. Hmm. Could you see Republican support for him in New York just because he's he's just not insane and the guy that they have running the place now is? Could you see that? Like formal. Yes. I'm not talking like Republicans in this in New York City in the boroughs voting for him. Like formal Republican Party support for him with no viable alternative at this point. Could you see something like that, do you think, or not? It's a long shot, okay. but I, I think it's possible. Okay. Todd. The Daniel Pearl-like beheading of Senator Josh Hawley that is just going on in broad daylight virtually, right now. Virtually, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but, but it, that's what's... I mean, the, the guy legitimately wanted to stand up uh for the people uh that voted him into office make sure that they uh were heard he just had the mob on his front lawn the Mm -hmm. year the night before Mm -hmm. but he david french is out there he's got to go and can never be in elected office again that is coming for you can you be on an airplane can you shop here can you buy here can you have this credit card it's coming so he lost his book deal it's insane. And, and to make the point of the level of insanity, um, Kirsten Powers. Quickly. She wrote a book. We're short on time. Not long ago called The Silencing, How the Left is in, uh, Killing yes. Freedom of well, Speech. Well, that's when she was working at Fox News. Yes. She doesn't anymore. Yesterday, she, she was calling for the now. same yeah. purges. There's yeah. no self-awareness. No. Because, well, you're getting a different paycheck now. Aaron. Kansas City Chiefs will repeat a Super Bowl uh, champions defeating the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. I predict either the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
Um, or New Orleans Saints win the Super Bowl because I have 10 to 1, 12 to 1, and 12 Steelers to 1 tickets to win it yeah. on all those three teams. So it'll be one of those three teams so that one of those tickets will cash in. Paul, good to see you as always, man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. It's good to be on. You bet. We'll come back hour two. You've heard from us. Now we're going to hear from you. It's Feedback Friday coming your way next. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. want to thank our friend, Paul Alexander, former communications strategist for the Tulsi Gabbard presidential campaign for joining us here for the Dace Group Roundtable. Don't forget, we are no longer promoting pro-Civil War platforms on this show, meaning platforms that are actively censoring people because they find disagreement dangerous. Platforms that are openly attempting to put people like you in a corner, basically egging you on for more rioting, for a civil war. We don't believe in in having a civil war uh, on this show. We prefer not to have one. How many times have I brought this topic up in the past year and my concern that we were headed there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I I prefer more of what we have or we thought we had which is uh, during the day, man, we have some real differences and we iron those puppies out and, you know, we go to a very, very small war on those things in the arena of ideas. Mm -hmm. And then I go home, kiss my babies at night, kiss my wife when the babies go to bed and play watch Big Ten basketball to get me through a cold winter night. And then when everybody else goes to bed and I'm still wired, I wind down by playing a couple of hours of John Madden football. I, I would like to, I like that world. That's a nice world. Right. Yeah. That's where my producer Aaron is texting me the latest odds he's playing in a, his six leg college basketball parlay. And we're watching to see if it's going to pay off together that this is a nice place to live overall. Despite these deep seated issues we have, I kind of like this place called America. You you like it? Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I'd like to not see it become the barren wasteland many of our cities were because of Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter and Antifa this you summer. You know what I think about sitting in a lawn chair watching my daughter play soccer? It Indeed. doesn't get any better. Than a- that. A- amen. Um, unfortunately, the pressure valves that we have, uh, the fighting and hockey analogy I've used in the past, those things, those places where we could go and let our voices be heard and at least come away feeling as if I had a say in this process. That's, you know, was there a, is there a mechanism that we've had from the very beginning where people were supposed to have that too? It was called, um, starts with a V. Can you think of the word? Uh, v- mm. v- vote. Vote. A vote. Oh. Yeah, the vote. That's what the vote, that's like what voting only, was supposed to be. That right? is the only thing I could think of, yeah. but that's kind yeah. of, yeah. Um, but that's what like things like voting were supposed to be. And then when it was done, if you lost, you might have been really PO'd, but dude, I got to mow the lawn. You know what I'm saying? It's like that scene in Miracle on 34th Street where the lawyer is really trying to get Chris Kringle committed and he's and he works the entire time. But then when the case is over, he looks at his watch. Crap, I got to go get that football helmet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Life's got to go on. Yeah. You know, life moves on. You know, I mean, Tommy's expecting the football helmet under the tree tomorrow. I got to do my job. So I did my job. It didn't work out. On with my next job. That's one way to keep peace in a in a in a pluralistic society with a lot of different viewpoints. A way to not keep peace is just to take 75 million Americans and tell them 
Uh, you couldn't possibly have these views without being a Nazi, literally Hitler, a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic bigot. And bigots don't have rights, of course. And so we can just do to you whatever we want to do and take all your pressure valves and everywhere that you think you have a voice, take it away. And then we'll still go through the rigmarole of a vote. And if you have any questions about how it's possible that the Republican Party picked up 15 House seats while Donald Trump lost by millions of votes and you got up uh, and, and when he was ahead and and then the next morning when you got up for work, uh, saw videos of cop cars bringing in loads and loads and loads of ballots, like another scene from Miracle on 34th sure. Street. If you dared question that or thought, hey, could, could I get a open, uh, you know, a special session of these state legislatures to look at this? Some the Justice Department, somebody, right? You know, could we put these, you know, could I, you're banned and you're gone and you have no voice. That is the path to a civil war. I believe that the spirit of the age behind much of this wants that. Best way to put a fire out is to deny it oxygen. I'm not promoting pro-civil war platforms on this show anymore because that's what they're pushing us to and I don't want that. So instead, we urge you to follow us on Parler. At Steve Dace, that's D-E-A-C-E. That's kind of a quick shot uh, way of communicating and a great place to stay up to date, almost like a newswire uh, in your feed there at Parlor at Steve Dace. More personable, long form, uh, go to our MeWe page. All right, look for Steve Dace there on MeWe.com. And then finally, we just started a brand new Rumble page for video. We're going to be sharing a ton more videos there. Go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's Rumble, just like it sounds. Rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E. Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com too. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you every bit as much as we do everybody else. We just ask that you would consider leaving us a five-star review if you haven't done that yet wherever you podcast from hit that subscribe button for us as well I should also mention my brand new book is out now if you'd like to get your copy a nefarious carol the sequel to the 2016 book a nefarious plot that we are working on the script for that film adaptation as we speak in the sequel after lord nefarious claims victory over America. Satan himself comes out of the shadows to woo a desperate young woman one night alone in a motel room to try to convince her to help him um, initiate the final stage of his master plan for world domination. But there's a twist. In order for the ritual to be successful, he can't lie to her. He has to tell her the truth. And this encounter, this back and forth between this desperate woman and the devil himself is what you're going to read in A Nefarious Carol, the novella sequel to A Nefarious Plot. Get your copy right now at Amazon.com. I would love to tell you, those of you that don't want to do business with Amazon, and I can't blame you for that, I'd love to tell you to go to Barnes & Noble. That's a, That company's a mess. Guys, I, I don't know what to tell you. I was I, My author copies... So you guys were worried that you didn't get some of you the pre-ordered. You didn't get your copies before Christmas. I wrote the damn thing. I don't have my author copies yet because they were coming from the main Barnes and Noble warehouse. What's the date today? January 8th. Yep. The book came out on December the 15th. Is that a problem? So I know it's a hassle. 
And you know what we say, whenever you have the opportunity to do business with people that line up with our values, do it. But we don't always have that opportunity, unfortunately. This is one of those moments you don't. So please go to Amazon.com if you don't have a copy of the book yet. And if you've had a chance to read it or listen to the Audible version that my uh, oldest daughter and I performed, uh, leave us a five-star review if you liked it. Thanks to all of you that have purchased your copy as well. Let's get to Feedback Friday brought to you by Home Title Lock. Hey, make sure in 2021 that you don't get a crash course in the crime known as Home Title Theft because it can ruin you financially. Here's how that crime happens. Uh, you know, the legal titles to our homes, they're kept online these days. Cyber thieves know this, so they go find your home's title online. They will then forge your signature on a quit claim deed stating that you have sold your home to them. And then they take out loans against your home until maybe all that equity is gone. And sometimes you don't find out until late notices or even a foreclosure notice uh, comes in the mail. Unfortunately, your homeowner's insurance, your mortgage lender cannot protect you, but for pennies a day, Home Title Lock does. And in the unfortunate and unlikely scenario that even while using Home Title Lock, your home's title uh, falls into nefarious hands, they vow to spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees to help you restore your home's rightful title. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't yet know it. Or while you're there too, use the promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. Code RADIO, 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Hey, real quick, you guys, um, Aaron, don't forget we're doing Wonder Woman on Tuesday for Pop Culture Tuesday. Gotcha. Did you see it at the theater or do you have HBO Max? Theater. Okay. I've seen it at the theater and HBO Max. I was going to say, if you had the new HBO Max, you know what debuted there this week? No. The complete set of the 1990s Batman cartoon. Hmm. Do you remember? You're like nonplussed, like you don't care. I, I, I haven't seen any of the cartoons of okay, anything. The, the 1990s Batman cartoon is cinematic good. It's, it's where Mark Hamill made his debut uh, voicing the Joker, for example. Um, I mean, me and my college buddies, uh, every episode, we never missed it as a group. Beavis and Butthead and the Batman animated series. So, But you're not impressed, so I'll just move on. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's get to your feedback here that you have sent us to the stevedayscott.com inbox. I want to begin with this from Amy. I never thought I'd be preparing for the inauguration of the next president by making a huge grocery and supply order. I never thought I would dread inauguration day as if it was a looming cloud of doom that has been on the horizon and is now rapidly approaching. The peaceful transfer of power has been the bedrock of my confidence in the stability of our nation, but it has turned to sand. God help us to stand up to this madness. I never thought a vote cast in the state of Georgia would be an act of futility. We voted in the general without masks on our faces and will do, now do so again in the runoffs. I never thought I would be faced with the probable election of these tyrants as senators. We are still free here. I am surrounded by free citizens making their own way through this, not being destroyed by the whims of a governor. These monsters will do everything to take Brian Kemp down. He is all that is standing between us and the lockdowns. I never thought I would say I don't care about anything else Kemp done or said. This was Trump's election to lose, and he gave his power up and attacked us for not staying open. All I care about is having Kemp there to hold the line for the state of Georgia to stay open. I pray he'll join Florida to refuse Biden's lockdown. God help us to stand up to this madness. Here's why I let off with this. We're not Facebook. We're not Twitter. 
quote again, the great prophet Sam Weish, you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati. All right? We are not going to be the people. And one thing, one thing you'll learn with me on your team, I just have an allergic reaction to echo chambers, man. These guys can tell you working with me. I mean, how often do I ask you, do you think I'm wrong about this? Yeah. Think I could have done this better? Think we were just having a, a personal conversation along those lines. Correct. And and when I showed you the conversation, the, I didn't ask you, do you think I'm right? I asked you, do you think I'm wrong about this? Right. right? We, are, we are not doing that here. I'm not interested in your bubbles, echo chambers. I'm confident enough in my own beliefs. I'm totally fine entertaining other people's. Because you know, here's the cool thing. Like every now and then, I might be wrong. Right? Sure. It can happen. And you might be wrong. And you might be wrong. Yep. And you out there might be wrong too. Every now and then. Secondly, I heard her voice of frustration against Trump that you actually voiced as the reason you voted for him. Yes. Which was the heavy hand of a White House over our Governor Reynolds as she keeps our state open. You wanted a Trump in there so that that would not occur as opposed to occurring under a Biden. Yes. Right? In her view... What she has enjoyed, the, the Georgia has been, was one of the very first states to reopen. And the freedom that she has been able to enjoy under Brian Kemp overrides. And hey, I, she voted for Trump. She voted for Loeffler and Purdue here, right? But that overrides allowing uh, Kemp to be destroyed because he didn't allegedly or apparently, I don't think he did, by the way, um, do enough to ensure election integrity. Do we think she has a valid point or concern? Or oh. even if, you know, let me rephrase that. Of course she has a valid point or concern. Yeah. She's a human being, an American taxpayer. Okay, do we share her 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 points and concerns? Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I do in two ways. A, and right out of the gate, after the election, and instantly we were talking about this, and the dynamics of this. And I, t and I said on the air, I, I have a really hard time caring about this. I know, I know what the consequences are one way or the other. But you know what? Well, how about, and I said, how about, you know, these are Georgia senators. I'm not going to make this the most important of election of our lifetime. It's their backyard. They decide it. All right. So I, I, I get that. She has the same rationale that I do. Uh, as you as you said um so she, she people like her are just like the people on the mall they feel backed into a corner it's all talk 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 nobody ever listens to them and she's even showing some frustration with trump and that's the second part he he really didn't listen at the end. He he had a lot of big rallies, but in turn, she says, you know that that legal case you put forward sucked. You know why she said that? Because it did. You know how you know his legal case? Well, his legal team's case, I should say, because I actually think his legal case is good. 
Well, I support it, but that's separate from the case that his legal team put forth. Yes. Okay. Do you know how often did we focus on the case his legal team put forth as opposed to my own concerns about what went on in my own study of the numbers and the data? What's the what was the ratio there? Probably ninety ten. If that their think, case to your yeah yeah my case yeah yeah I mean we rarely if ever talked about any of that stuff for the last forty well yeah years. we certainly didn't parse Dominion or things no, like that you saw me rarely if ever tweet about it or talk about it I didn't even follow most of it I just did my own work why because personnel is politics and is is, is politics. You know, people aren't constructs, they're people. And so they often determine the weight of your case based off of what they think of the credibility of the people making it for you on your behalf, right? Mm -hmm. And to be brutally honest with you. And maybe this wouldn't have been the case 20, 30 years ago um, when he was a great mayor and a badass prosecutor. But it's not 20, 30 years ago, is it? No. No, it's 2020. And in 2020, I trust my intellect a hell of a lot more than I trust Rudy Giuliani's. I trust my ability to make a case I believe in a hell of a lot more than I trust Rudy Giuliani's. And frankly, um, while I think he is cunning and crafty on a on a cosmic stage, having known him, I trust my intellect more than I trust Donald Trump's and I trust my ability. I sure as hell haven't followed him. Trust my ability to make my case for my beliefs more than I trust Donald Trump's. You know what I'm saying? So I just did this on my own. I, I, we just, I just removed that entire thing from the process of my, of my thought processing. But I can understand why people did not do that. I can understand why the perception out there is the case is weak. Because the people that made the case made a weak case. But that is the analogy I used the other day. Just because the guy sitting staring at death row has a terrible public defender because that's all he can afford doesn't mean that he committed the murder. Doesn't mean he didn't, but it doesn't mean that he did, right? Right. To, to you, Amy, I would say this: if you'd have, if you'd have come to me, <laughs> a good buddy of mine. It's just been a couple of years since it's been a few years since we've seen each other, but a good buddy buddy of mine is a really well connected Georgia political activist named Mike Griffin. Man, just just doing the Lord's work, heart for the Lord, exceedingly principled Christian conservative, former pastor. And he's really close with Brian Kemp. I don't even think I told you guys this. No. But last like June, when Trump is going at him, and I'm defending Brian Kemp on this show against Trump, right? Right. Because I agree with what he's doing, and I think what he's doing is heroic, man. I thought it was badass how he stood up to the entire system. I sent a note to Mike. I hadn't talked to him in a few years. I sent a note. Hey, man, if your boy is thinking about 2024 after all this, man, I'm not making any promises or anything. I have a vetting process. But if he's thinking about it, thinking about coming to Iowa, here's my, you know my number. Tell him to give me a call. If you'd have told me a few months later, that same guy would have given us the performance that I saw here for the last 45 days. I just never would have believed it. It was like an out-of-body experience. Because it's not the same dude. And the only thing I can consider, I know the theory out there is that he just hates Trump. And this was his way to get back at him. Uh, uh, this level of civil war doesn't help Brian Kemp at all. He's up for reelect in the next cycle. He, if, if, if that is what happened here, then man, he's dumber than a box of rocks. Okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, number one rule of business you guys always hear me say is what? Don't poo where you live, right? 
I mean, Donald Trump is when he is going to leave on January 20th then go make money. Brian Kemp's going to be the one left with the with the ashes of this in, intra-party civil True. war to clean up, right? And then try to run for re-elect after that. So if this was a personal grievance against Trump, that was that was I, I've seen dumb and I've seen a lot of dumb, man. A lot of dumb. That one Mexican judge. I've seen a lot of dumb. This, though, would be one of the dumbest things I have ever seen, if that's what motivated Brian Kemp. I don't think that's what it was. What I think happened is Brian Kemp fell into the trap many other Republicans have fallen into so many times that I can cut the deal with the enemy that they will honor. And what I think occurred here is Team Kemp cut some kind of deal basically with Stacey Abrams and her crew that we will allow this sort of open voting, but you guys won't cheat. And if you do, um, you know, it won't be egregious and um, we'll just let you do your thing. Just shut up and go away after three years of pretending to be the pretend governor. I, I just think he made a Faustian bargain. That's my theory. I think he made a Faustian bargain with Stacey Abrams and it blew up in his face. And I think that explains why a guy who stood up to the White House, the entire media, what was it? The Atlantic said he was an experiment in human sacrifice or something, right? Yep. I mean, he stood up to the entire media and the, his own White House to say, we're not doing this anymore. He was the first one. He did it before DeSantis started doing it. How does that guy look? It's that guy who stood in, the, in a moment of unprecedented tyranny against the American people and stood up to it. Look, then turn around in the same year and look this week over something so simple. Let's just like have a, an, a, a an emer- call an emergency session of the legislature and let's just have it out. Let's audit the signatures in Fulton County. Right? Right. It was so obvious. Why didn't he do it? Well, we know in the case of Brian Kemp, because we also saw him stand up to Disney and everybody else in the pro-life bill, did that before COVID too. Forgot about that. Remember that, yes. right? Okay. So we saw him stand up to Disney and all of Hollywood because they were making a ton of movies in Georgia. Call their bluff, and they still are, by the way. So he stood up to all of Hollywood. Then he stood up to the White House and all of the media in reopening his state and then turned around and looked this week. So we know with Brian Kemp, it ain't that he doesn't have any balls, right? We know that, right? Do we have a precedent of Brian Kemp having balls? Sure. We have a few of them, right? Do you have a precedent of Brian Kemp being um, smart and clever and politically savvy? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So then now he's just suddenly dumb. That's not how human nature operates. Something is compromised when that happens. You see what I'm trying to say? There's something we don't know that is compromised. And if I had to guess, some deal was made with Stacey Abrams people after what happened in 2018. And and then Stacey Abrams and her people in places like Fulton and Cobb County went Darth Vader. I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Yes, you may have but, your Han Solo, but now he's frozen in carbonite. Good luck to you. That's what I think occurred here. But consider... What could drive you to do something so insane as cutting that deal with Stacey Abrams? I don't um, know. I don't you know. know any, what you do. Well, this is, this is, it's no, Orange this, Man bad. Well, that, see, I, I think that's your own self-preservation, actually. I think he's thinking of... I don't think he was thinking of 2020. I think he was thinking of 2022, dude. I think he was thinking that this will shut her up and placate her, take <laughs> well, that ben, issue off the ben table. not smart. Of course, but, but how many Republicans have we seen make that mistake, Todd? That's yeah. why you say you want to run. Yeah. Because you just want to, you, you're like that dude with, with Dirty Harry points the gun at. Like, you need to know how many bullets are in the gun. I do. You just need to, is, do, you, do they all just get this dumb? You know what I'm saying? Yes. That, but, but how many times? I, gosh, I'm going to do it again today. I love Ted Cruz to death, man. 
And I would never tell anybody not to say what you don't believe, not to stand, not to take a position that you don't want. I knew, I knew folks that Chip Roy was going to vote the way that he did two weeks ago because we're good friends. And we've had all these debates and arguments privately. You know what I told Chip to do? He goes, this might politic. Chip told me, I'll, I'll just let you in on our private conversation. He'll get mad at me, but I'm going to do it anyway. This could politically end me. I said, is it what you believe, Chip? Yeah, then you should do what you believe. I don't agree with you. Frankly, I think your position's naive. But I love you. You're my friend, man. You're my ride or die. I'm defending your honor to the end. I just think you're wrong. But hey, if it's what you believe, then do it. Okay? Was it was it required for Ted Cruz to blame Donald Trump for the for the uh, the riot in Washington D.C.? Like, was America pining away? Like, like Chip had to vote on this, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, this was a vote Chip had to take on certifying the electors. He, Chip's a member of Congress. Congress certifies the electors. He, he, was, he had to take a position on this. Right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In the next, Donald Trump's leaving office in, what is it, 12 days? That's what you're in, saying. In the next 12 days, was, it, did anybody, was anybody sitting around thinking, you know what? In these final 12 days, I just really need to know what Ted Cruz thinks about whether Donald Trump incited the riot or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why go and volunteer yourself to, to, to give oxygen to your enemy. I don't understand that. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I, why? And even if it's true, even if you think that is true, be smart. Because right now emotions are high. And, and even if you think that's true, those people are going to take that as you think you're blaming them, not him. Here's an idea. It's what Abraham Lincoln once famously said. Best to keep your mouth closed than to open it and be thought of as a fool than to open it and confirm it for everyone. Yes. Why? That's the other frustration I have. How many times have we seen people we love and adore in this business who seem like they go out of, like they just can't wait to blow their wad and their political capital? You know what I mean? Well, that. So, 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 so Ted goes out on a limb, goes out on a limb, leads this consortium of senators that we're gonna we're gonna contest this. We want an audit. So he takes all this heat. He's got Ocasio Cortez out there yesterday. You caused the riot. You got blood on your hands. And so he's getting it all from them. And he turns right around and says, "Well, I mean, Trump incited some of this." See, no. So now you you didn't. Now you just you're the guy on Survivor who doesn't join one of the alliances. And so then they just both sides vote you out because they don't trust you. What was the point in that? I don't understand that. You just nailed it about how you actually do address it and point out the absurdity. They actually, if Ted Cruz is on his game that day and it's within his capacity to do this, he says, oh, I already know I got blood on my hands. Ocasio-Cortez told me. That's, that's the, the answer. Yeah, I, that's the Ted Cruz I know. Yeah. That's the answer. I, and you, I just, I, I, but how many times have we seen this? Have we, your boy, I mean, your boy Rick Santorum blowing his wad on stupid stuff, right? How many times have we seen our guys go over and over and over and then at the end, and then you get up and you're like, that's when we cash in for this? Uh, your whole career, Santorum's whole career against government waste and fraud and big government and government takeover of healthcare was, let's vote for Medicare Part D to get health savings accounts as my as my as my is my fig leaf that most Americans can't afford to even save for those. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm right? Yeah. Does that that was your investment? 
You, you parlayed all those years. You got called every name in the book in the Republican cloakroom and the cameras were off. All form of traitor. And, and your return, your ROI is, all right, now's the time for health savings account. I, I, what? What? Oh, he's, he's, he's leaving office in 12 days. Yeah, I know I'm banging it, Aaron. I'm sorry. The audience will live with it. He's, he's, he's leaving office in 12 days. Even if you want him to go and you think he's flailing, here's an idea. Sun Tzu, the art of war. When your opponent is making a fool out of himself, yeah. let him. Just Homer Simpson, that thing, man. Back into the corner. Back, like Homer Simpson gift. Back into the bushes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no, let me, on the way out the door, let me go ahead and, 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 and dunk on Trump so that it looks like I'm dunking on his base that I've spent years building inroads with, that I just put my career on the line as a constitutional attorney and a senator defending in the, on the floor of the Senate against election fraud. I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand Brian Kemp. Um, I'm going to the mattresses against the freaking White House, man. If I own a party, the entire media industrial complex calling me every name in the book and my state's opening up. Screw you. We're following real science. I'm going to call, dude, Brian Kemp. It was Brian Kemp versus the world for about two weeks, wasn't it? Yeah. Literally the world, man. Every country on earth, everybody. But then at the end, ah, we couldn't be bothered to call a special session or I, I just... When they get this like, is the thing I that I this is the part of this business that drives me insane, man. Insane. Well, it's it, like Luther once said, if you're gonna sin, sin boldly. Okay. This th these aren't bold sins. These are stupid ones. You see, the thing is, you don't care, and say the three of us. It's it's genuine. We really. Because my wife said to me, "You really don't care what people think one day." We don't care what people think emotionally, but we do intellectually. We yeah. ask their opinions. But emotionally, these people do. And when they feel the walls coming in, they forget that how many people were out on that National Mall just a couple of days ago. Most of them didn't break into the Capitol. That's right. But they're still there. And that's Jason Whitlock's point. They aren't going away. Yep. And if you ignore them, you're getting the Civil War. And my fear is that Ted could have been a voice for that 99.9%. Yes. Yes. And he might have just tossed that away. Yes. More in a moment. Well, trying to buy or sell a home, or if you're doing both, I've done that before, selling the home you're in and trying to buy another one, man, that's one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in your life. You want to make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust. Where would such an agent be found? Well, thankfully, and the name kind of says it all. It's this little website called realestateagentsitrust.com. In these unprecedented times... Bing. It is even more important than ever that you find an agent that you can trust, someone whose track record of success has been proven, fully vetted, and that's why they are referred to you via a website and a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates who also grew tired of dealing with agents who talked a good game but then couldn't deliver the desired results when needed the most. And so they started this little thing called, it's the shindig known as realestateagentsitrust.com, just about anywhere, I'm sure, there's somewhere you could go off the grid where it looks like Todd's probably moving soon uh, that we can't help you. But anywhere where, let, let me put it this way, anywhere that um, you could get banned by big tech, um, we can find you an agent. <laughs> Is that a good pitch or not? <laughs> 
We need to test these things out for 2021. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty comprehensive list, right? Where you can get banned by big tech. That's a pretty comprehensive list. Uh, anywhere that you can get banned by big tech, you can find an agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. Kelly says, you know, I've not heard the term small business administration all that much recently. Uh, years ago, after the L.A. earthquake, the Small Business Administration was everywhere, offering landlords and other businesses very low interest rate loans. The money was quick, and it propped people up until things got repaired. I had two condos that were yellow tagged that needed extensive repairs. Tenants had to move out, etc. And the SBA loan kept me in the black, and I repaid it over the next few years. Where are they now with COVID and shutdowns? It's a big agency that used to have money to loan. Um, why don't we use things like that instead of COVID relief? Why need yeah. a small business administration yeah. when when uh, Amazon will give you everything you need? Or you can have a big government administration too. You can have that. The Santa Clausing. The Santa Clausing was a gateway drug. We're moving on to crack cocaine now, buddy. <laughs> Joe says I'm a travel ICU nurse working on COVID contracts right now in the belly of the beast here in California, but I have found pushing back, speaking in medical terms helps. When other staff push back on me saying, when I say to end the lockdowns or how useless masks are, I tell them there's no evidence-based practice to support this. I know it sounds silly, but sometimes talking to them on our terms helps. I'm sure Aaron's wife, Bella, or your mom can answer any questions about it for you. But in a nutshell, it's been the main push for years to transition to evidence-based practice. That's a theorem. It's a methodology of medicine. We want research for everything, and if we can't prove it with research, we've moved away from some things. Don't take me wrong. We still have our sacred cows we don't change, especially in nursing. But in general, it's a term people can use to push back on the lockdowns. So our theme this year is the answer is us, right? And so with Joe as, a, as an ICU nurse in California, he's, he's showing us a way to push back on this. So if you are a medical professional, and you know, you know better because you know the data, and you hear it from us and other places, and you're living it. Joe is suggesting, hey, you know, what's the evidence-based practice data for this? What is it? What's the what's the EBP? Uh, what's the data mm-hmm. say? What is it? Right. Every every vocation industry has its own jargon vernacular, right? And Joe is saying this is the, this is in the medical professional this profession. This is uh, you know uh, this is a this is a buzz phrase. So all right, what's what's the evidence for this then? I like it. I love it. I yeah. did the very same thing uh, today regarding my state soccer association. And as I told you yesterday, I did the very th- same thing a couple of days ago regarding my local school district. There's opportunities everywhere. And the opportunities everywhere right in front of you are way more easy to win than the ones in D.C. This one from Mario says, it's been a difficult year, yet I count my blessings since it brought me new professional achievements. I found you guys a show. Something that has been of particular interest to me is how the medical establishment has completely failed to encourage a healthy debate over COVID-19 and the public policy response as a consequence. 
In medical school, we were taught to think through the consequences of our recommendations. The manner studies are conducted and the great scientists and physicians that have fought misguided science or made new observations and discoveries. Yet speaking with my fellow millennial physicians, there is no discussion of contrarian ideas at all. Nearly everyone sings the party line on wearing a mask as a talisman of the superstitious, keeping family visitors away from patients in the hospital, assuming every case is an infectious patient, patient lost income from lockdowns and denied medical and mental care from social distancing that worsens deaths of despair. From the beginning, I was suspicious of these measures. It was a visceral reaction to the proclamation. We're all in this together. Aldous Huxley warned us when we all think the same, we all stop thinking. Yet it is a lonely time, intellectually isolating. How is it that my millennial colleagues in professional organizations be unable to read contrarian studies and make their own conclusions? Part is that my prof profession is a privileged class. And it's a privilege they don't check. These colleagues lean, and I mean lean, left. However, an aspect that I feel is overlooked is the disturbing trend to elevate the ego, calling us healthcare heroes to a generation that was raised by helicopter parents. Who would oppose lockdowns and isolation when you still collect a paycheck and get labeled a hero for it? Being a contrarian can be fun, but it is difficult. So finding your show and analysis has been great. Highlighting data from the CDC on estimated infection fatality rate, Sweden, the mask data, the early antibody studies, the cycle threshold PCR testing, and the likes of doctors Atlas and Ioannidis, this show has been my best discovery of 2020. Thank you to Todd and Aaron for the solidarity. I hope that if and when the spirit of the age confronts me, I can say no. Uh, Mario, thank you for that encouraging note, brother, that, you know, we come in here and the cool thing about being in Iowa is that when we walk out of here, if we, if we can, if we choose to, most days we can have some form of normalcy. We have the annoyance of the masks, right? But if you want to go to a movie, you want to go to the mall, you know, you can do those things, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and we're we're kind of a Bolivia here in the middle uh, in the Midwest we're landlocked um, and we're, we're kind of out and uh, we have a, a lot of civilization there's a half a million people that live you know right in the sound of my voice right now but um, you have some of the benefits of the big city but almost none of the problems and so we are still afforded after we get out of here a, a bit of normalcy most of America doesn't that's the good thing about it. The bad thing is because we're detached from a lot of the major media centers where so many of our peers work and a lot of you live, we often wonder, are we making an impact here? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. we, we come into our studio here in suburban Des Moines and then we go home and you're, we just, a lot of days, unless we have a guest, it kind of feels like we're just talking to each other. You know what I mean? Right. Getting this kind of feedback is every bit as encouraging to us, brother, as, as our show hopefully has been to you. So, Amen. And what I have tried to do this entire time, and, and I think some of my colleagues that later joined me in this fight, I think they were hesitant to join in on the COVID data, uh, corrupted data, and the doomsday, the discredited doomsday models. Because, and I assume this at first too, by the way, Okay. It's a little bit like what we say about evangelism, that a lot of believers won't evangelize because they're not confident in their own beliefs, okay? And I think a lot of my colleagues that eventually joined us here on Team Reality or Pushback, or whatever you want to call us, I think a lot of it was they were concerned that this would become a proxy for the global warming climate debate. 
where it's basically the Blaze and Breitbart, you know what I'm saying, and five guys on Fox News and Rush versus uh, the science, the scientific consensus. And so we would look like amateurs up against all this expertise. And by the way, this may be a very bad virus that kills a bunch of people and we look stupid pushing back on it later, not to mention dangerous, right? Sure. That's a valid fear. What propelled me with confidence is when I started delving into this and asking logic questions on these models, and I've mentioned this before, and I want to repeat it, if you're listening, Mario, and for others in the healthcare industry, the level of expertise beyond what I'm far beyond my level of knowledge, people from Oxford, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, these are some of the, uh, the elite universities on planet Earth, let alone this country, began pushing back on this right away. Began pushing back on Neil Ferguson right away. And hey, dude, I'm, I'm, I try to be self-aware. I'm a smart guy, but I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable. I don't have a depth of knowledge in this arena. Meaning I'm a smart guy. If you teach it to me, then I can know. But I don't know unless someone teaches it to me. And so I'm going to go headlong in against, you know, the world uh, um, intelligence, intelligentsia. I'm not equipped to do that. But when I, a lot of my best arguments came from people like Johnny Anidis and Sunitra Gupta at Oxford and things of that nature. I, I channeled a lot of them. And then the more and the more of the data that we got that came in, I was able to just use the very data that our institutions were using uh, their institutions that wanted to keep us locked down were publishing. So that's a, that's the thing about this that surprised me. And I've said it many times that how many fellow intellectuals, people who probably also think and believe adamantly that life began in the cosmos because a couple of single-celled proteins combusted one day, okay? Millions of years ago. Also were calling BS on this all along. It's not us versus the experts. It's not even trust the experts. It's what I've been asking since last March. Trust the experts with which ones? Because plenty of experts were saying, what in the Sam Hill are we doing here? I mean, Michael Osterholm's on his seventh different position about this. He was against lockdowns, now wants a national lockdown. He was against masks, right? Now he's off, now masks for ebbs, okay? So which experts are we talking about? This is from Erica. Regarding your new book, A Nefarious Carol, I could relate to Ray, the main character. I was raised in an abusive home. I didn't know unconditional love. I didn't know God and became an atheist for years. I was in an abusive relationship with a drug dealer. I had two abortions while with him. I knew it was murder, but defended it as something else because of my guilt and shame. He literally burned the Bible in front of me after beating me senseless one night. He murdered animals, raped me, so much evil during those years. I have no doubt he's probably killed women by now. I didn't leave because I was scared, had nowhere to go. Plus, he said he'd kill my siblings and dad every time I misbehaved. Looking back, I was addicted to the moments he so-called loved me, but it was never, ever truly love. I finally left one day and actually stayed in a Motel 6. It was all such a blur. It was really just a few years ago, and then Christ saved me. The Lord is still changing me, teaching me, healing me, showing me his love and grace. I'm thankful his mercies are new every morning. I look back and see all the times God was right there with me, even when I didn't see it. I don't know how you nailed this character so spot on, but I was glued because it felt as if the story was about me. 
God is so good, even to those like me who fought against him for so long. Thanks for the incredible story. I reviewed it. I'm even ordering more as gifts. Thank you, Erica. I, I wrote the book. I wrote the book for two types of people. People like you that have been where Ray is at so that we can remember such as once were all of us. And that confidence I just mentioned that I got when I early in my COVID bat pushback, when I saw how many other experts, even people that may not even agree with me on worldview and politics were also saying this isn't right. That same confidence, Erica, folks like you can have that because of your struggles, you have the credibility to go help and address people with theirs. You've been there. You know what it's like. Your life wasn't a Pleasant Valley Sunday. You know. Here's the other reason, though. That maybe the book, the story could reach people like you, Erica, before you were reached. Know what I'm saying? When you're still that scared girl. And that maybe the story might fall into somebody like that's hand so they don't feel cornered. Let's get some final thoughts here about the show today. Gentlemen, what do you think? Well, this, once again, um, made me proud to work here. Uh, it's as among the finest work uh, we've ever done. It gives me confidence in all the work we've done before because I don't say it without satisfaction. It's not prideful, but told you. We've been telling you on this show. We've been telling you before there was ever a 2020, and Steve has been telling you before there was a Todd and Aaron on this show. But I was telling my co former colleagues at the uh, D D Des Moines Register, I have memories vivid in my head with uh, leftist friends of mine, and I telling them if you keep going down this path we're going to end up right here and here we are again it's i like how steve says it because it's not because we're geniuses we're all pretty smart but we're not geniuses it's because we've paid attention to history to scripture to to what legitimately is common sense in human nature this was inevitable it wasn't an accident. Until you understand that, there's no getting out of it. Well said, Todd. Mm. And um, yeah, the events of this week, they, they are sobering, but along the lines of what Todd was saying, they were not surprising. And I, I think from a bigger picture of you, if you tune in to a program like this, um, you want the truth. Or at least you're trying to find the truth. Usually when people are trying to find the truth, that means that they have their priorities in line. Or are a step closer to having their priorities in line. I think that's a good reminder for all of us. We can look at this week and be in dismay. But when we look at our families, we should not be dismayed. We should be emboldened. That's who we're fighting for primarily. That's primarily your family is your first responsibility. One of your first and foremost ways in 
glorifying that you can that you can glorify your God is through um, the way you treat and what you do for your family. And I would have just encourage you this weekend. This is our first week back since Christmas break. We've seen probably a lot of our families um, enjoy them if you can this weekend. And the battle will still be here. The war will still be here on Monday morning. As Aaron just said, have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Uh, we're going to stick around do overtime. Best and worst of the week for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you again on Monday. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.